You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. All right, we're back, Primal Radio. What's up, Tommy? Another stressful week at work, but yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I hear you. You made you made it into the studio, brother. It wasn't looking good. You know, our guest is waiting. What happened? Did you run into the London traffic? Had to sneak out of work slightly early and uh, ride back at like 100 miles an hour. We really need to do these shows a little bit later. <laughs> oh, you rode your bike? Yeah, I broke a split land speed record on it. No way. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're so talented. Well, good. I'm glad you made it to all the time in one of my... Uh, I'm always super punctual. So when you were like, I'm running late, I'm like, and I knew it wasn't your fault. You were cutting out early. So, but anyway, a fantastic. Hey, so this week we have this new guest. I'm excited to speak to this person. They're an attending physician at the Beaumont Hospital in Royal. It's a level one trauma place. So it's a lot, a lot of action going on there. She's a mother. She's a speaker. It goes around the country speaking about confidence building, habit forming, well-being, health, diet, stress. And she's the author of the current book, Habit That. Welcome, everyone. Jamie Hope. How you doing, Jamie? Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. Thank you. So, <laughs> you know, I became aware of you, and then we, you and I spoke on the phone about a week ago. And once yes. we had that that conversation, I said, you know, it's going to be a good show because you, <laughs> you can speak. Your English is very, very good. <laughs> I know it's remarkable is, how that makes it things so much easier. It, it does. So not all our guests are, speak English very well, so that makes it challenging. But anyway, so your book, I said, so per our conversation, I uh, actually went out, bought the book, and I read it during the Super Bowl. I did not watch it. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> no, no, so no, I wanted to read the book because I and I read it cover to cover. And it was a great book. Yeah. Because I'm interested. I've read tons and tons of books on topics and subjects like that. But yet I didn't turn the TV on. I literally read the entire book while the wow. Super Bowl was on. Uh, so, Tom, did you watch the Super Bowl? Or did you read the book? No, I didn't watch it this year. They didn't care. No, no. I mean, it hasn't got the world appeal like that. Maybe you guys think it does over there. No, we know it doesn't. It's the honestly, I think most people are watching it for the commercials because that's what they come up with some of the most hilarious ads. Yeah, right. and the halftime show, right? That that can be pretty yes. good. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I do we'll watch it up. most years actually. This one wasn't very. Did you watch the Super Bowl, Jamie? You know, I did not. I was you know home with the kiddos doing other stuff, so yeah, wasn't that important. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the game, oh, I was driving down from northern Michigan. I was speaking at a conference, so I missed part of it because I was on the road anyway. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really care who wins. The Lions, the Detroit Lions, are never going to play in the Super Bowl. They're never all right. Are you a Lions fan? Uh, you know, I am. What? I enjoy heartbreak and disappointment. What? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm a hometown girl. I love the Lions. They're they're wonderful most of the time. You had that guy oh, Megatron. Yeah. Oh, that's a great name for a player. He he was yeah. a, <laughs> he was a I legend. I have no idea who that is. Who's Megatron? Uh, I don't know what his actual name is. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, have, I I'll have to edit know. that in. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even. I don't care. My friend went football. to a game that was like it was like minus forty or something like that. And there was like snow everywhere. Famous game at, in Detroit, like about three years ago. Yeah, it's been crazy cold lately. We were hitting the negative thirties last week because of the polar vortex. Right. And today there's an ice storm outside this window. It's ridiculous. Oh wow. 
I'm moving. Wow. <laughs> moving. <laughs> Wait, Michigan is cold. It's crazy. Oh. You, now, you grew up in Michigan, in Pontiac, Michigan? or? Yep. Yep. Right outside of, like, close to Detroit. You know, uh-huh. I, I feel sure. a lot of people know Detroit. And, right. Uh, yeah. So I'm a hometown girl, except for every winter, I ask myself, why on earth am I subjecting myself to this? Right, still there, right? Well, that's yeah. where, that's so that's where the whole family is. Yes. Cousins, mother, father, and yeah, right. Did you? Yep. Where did you go? To, where did you go to school? Michigan State University. Oh, you Spartans. did. Yeah. My sister went there actually. Nice. From Jersey, it's well a little bit before your time probably. So, and then where did you where did you go to medical school? Did you go to medical school there? Yeah, same. I would. They have an MD and a DO program, so I completed the MD program there. Now, so. It's so you you always wanted to be a doctor. It always fascinated you. I, your student tell a story about was your friend broke her what yeah. something yeah. Oh my, that's this is one of my favorite stories. So this is you know picture this. I'm ten. It's the nineties, uh, so there's like no safety <laughs> regulations whatsoever. So yeah. there's this trampoline, and this is before you know nets and padding. It was just the big trampoline in the backyard with the springs. Right. Like, you know, at that era, we might as well just sprinkle some broken glass around it. The good old days. And so she and I were jumping on it with a kid who was much bigger than us, because if, if if you land at the same time as they do, then it launches you in the air, which is, of course, right. good fun. Course. <laughs> Except for when it works too well. So he launched her off of the trampoline onto the ground. Yes. And, you know, as a 10, but I recognize that the arm is definitely not supposed to point in the direction <laughs> it ended up pointing. Right. And I was horrified and everything, but I remember very specifically looking at that arm, like, truly contemplating, like, I bet I could fix that. Like, I really want, I really wanted to. And of course, she was smart enough to say, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah right. Go call my mom, you weirdo. Stop right. Trying to help. Right. And I love, I always wanted to know, you know, if somebody was sick or if there was an accident or something, I'm like, gosh, I really want to know what to do. And also being a huge science nerd helps. So that's how I ended up. Heading medicine. You never got freaked out by like a lot of people get a bit squeamish when they see something like a bone going in the other direction. I find the older I get, the more yeah. when I see stuff like that, I think, oh, I couldn't go near that. Most people run in the other direction. That's how you can tell who's gonna who's gonna go toward medicine and who's not. Right. My sister is a nurse anesthetist, and my brother is completely in the non-medical field. So yeah. we're still not too old to ruin dinners with him by talking about medical stuff. It's hilarious. <laughs> never get told. <laughs> right. That's fun. So after my school, is this the first job you had, so to speak, at Beaumont Hospital? Did you, were you around doing different things and you kind of just came upon Beaumont? Well, it's a, it's such a good hospital. We're the ninth busiest trauma center in the country. Yeah, I read that. It's amazing. Outside of Detroit. And so, you know, after medical school, you apply to do your residency. And I, I applied at some great programs, you know, Mayo, Rush, Loyola, but, you know, a bunch of different places. And I really loved Beaumont. So I did my residency there. And after I graduated, they hired me on as faculty. So... That's right. Wow. It's interesting you say a great hospital is a busy hospital. <laughs> yeah. Well, all yeah. the sick people need to go somewhere. And if everyone's avoiding a hospital, that's usually a bad sign. That's so. Right. So did, did, you, did they stick you right in the trauma unit? Is that something you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. So that's what I my, did my residency in. So I spent my three years of training specializing in emergency medicine. Wow. So we're we're generalists in a way because we we see whatever walks through our door. All on a right, shift, right. you could get somebody. You know, I had a person who was completely high out of their mind on meth whilst delivering a baby. And wow! Then you see, a, you know, trauma, heart attack, belly pain, ankle sprain, all in the same day. It's it's no awesome. <laughs> it's <awful. laughs> yeah. so there, there's never a dull moment. 
yeah, some days I wish I had a dull moment because it'd be really nice to be able to go to the bathroom while I'm at work. Right, get a cup of coffee or something, right? Yeah. Right. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So when when you did, so is, has it been, does it ever get overwhelming ever? I mean, geez, some things you must see, how do you deal with that? Is that something you have to go see therapy yeah. for? You know, oh. go, holy shit, I can't believe I just saw that or this was happening. Sometimes, yes. Honestly, first of all, I think most people should be in therapy just as a blanket statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go, Tom. Years. Um, but, you know, it's, it can be very overwhelming. I have seen some really horrifically tragic stuff. It's hard. It's hard on your heart. I, you know, you cry, you know, go home and cry, like sneak off to the bathroom if you have to Boy. and just, you know, have those moments. Our specialty in emergency medicine is amongst the highest burnout rate. We work, you know, crazy hours. Sure. We, you know, we do weekends, we do holidays, we see some really bad stuff. And then, you know, at work, I've been spit on, I've been threatened, I've been called names wow. I would never even repeat. I've been punched so. in the face, I've been kicked. Whoa. Yeah. So it it's just, it can be a stressful. In addition to just trying to practice medicine, you All know. Right. So yeah, go ahead, Tom. Sorry. What what training do you get for dealing with that? So someone's getting up in your face. I mean, are you are you allowed to sort of? <laughs> Because you should get some those. some sort of training. Otherwise, you've got to rely on those kind of cops that guard the hospital. And they're not Paul the most, Clark. the best cops, right? Yeah, I, honestly, I wish we had had more training. I'm really good at verbal de-escalation. But after someone punches you in the face, that's not really that helpful. <laughs> wow. so I really think that maybe I should have concentrated more on uh, some self-defense courses. I just, you, they don't teach you that in medicine. Like, hey, while you're working and taking care of this patient who's having belly pain, they might punch you. How do you prepare for that? Did you, did, did you have to hold yourself back from punching them back in the yeah, face? So, yeah, <laughs> interestingly enough, we're not allowed to attack back. Imagine that. What kind of place are Yeah. I'm not a very large person, so I can't imagine a jury saying, you know, if I'm defending myself, I really can't imagine getting in trouble. Well, if you do a little MMA training, maybe, you know. You, Ooh, that would be cool. Take them down and ground and pound them. That might be, they might frown upon that a little bit. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, we have a super high burnout rate. Yeah, I remember there were different points in my career where I was like, Am I, do I really want to do this? Do I want to subject myself to this? And so I really had to start learning some resilience strategies. Because otherwise, you know, people end up drinking too much. They end up doing drugs. They quit the specialty. And I didn't want to go down any of those pathways. So I had to choose developing ninja-level rock star coping skills. Right, and then right. it's it's made all the difference in the world. I'm re, I'm, I love my job so much now. And it's amazing. And I feel very connected with it. And it's awesome. But... It took time to get there. Obviously, you weren't always doing that. So when you had the job and you, uh, you know, read everything on you, you just started decided to investigate and research all that other aspect, that self help, yeah, and, and the coping skills, and you just went and kind of became a, a vacuum, so to speak, <laughs> yeah, and, and read everything you could, to do on that topic, or. Yeah, I really did. I started reaching out, and you know, what is you know what's the best way I can learn about this and. Right. I started reading books, listening to podcasts, doing all that kind of stuff just so I could learn from the experts. Why reinvent the wheel if there's people already doing it well? Sure. And then I took a lot of those strategies and kind of combined them, you know, strategies from the business world and combined them with health and wellness type stuff because there's a lot of habit crossover there and created yeah. my own set of habits and resilience strategies. Did you have that thought process early on? That's how it needed to happen as far as the habits go? Or was that something that just all of a sudden went, wow, it was there the whole time. I didn't realize it. And I was always trying to work on good habits. 
even right from the beginning of residency, as you're in training, if you learn to do something right the first as you're learning it, then you'll continue to do that. It's much harder to to do it. But I didn't really verbalize that I was doing habits specifically. That kind of came up on me one day. I was like, oh, these are all habits. This right. is exactly what I'm doing. And I started teaching at our university to future physicians how to do, in addition to their own self-care, how to then help patients as well. And it just coming together. How'd that come to fruition? All of a sudden you were thinking about it, you're working on it, all of a sudden the hospital said, hey, why don't you talk to these people about this? How did that happen? How's that, how does that jump happen? You know, interestingly, that was a I kind of, it was like guerrilla warfare to get myself into that course. That's funny. So I was looking at the, the curriculum and I saw a course called Promotion and Maintenance of Health. And I was like, oh, that sounds wonderful. That's exactly the kind of stuff they should be teaching that yeah. I want them to be teaching. And so I contacted the professor who runs the course and said, hey, can I come teach? And she's like, uh, no, crazy person, we are full. We've been teaching this course for years. So I showed up to a few of the courses and one of them was the behavior change and it was horrifically boring. Like, I yeah. can't believe a person, man, not the professor who runs the course. She wasn't the one teaching it. It was a guest. <laughs> it was a guest one, yeah. It was, oh, it was, it was awful. I'm sitting in the back like, wow, this is a topic I love and I'm, considering like faking my own death to get out of here. This is so bad. <laughs> um, and then so, and I chatted with the professor who runs it afterwards and I was like, you know, there are interesting ways we could teach this. And then so that guest didn't show up for her next spot. And the professor called me immediately. She's like, if you want it, it's yours. Yes. Wow, that's great. So you jumped right on that. And went I for did. It. And it was awesome. And I, I've been teaching it ever since. And it is so fun. So it's a good, good reception by the people who take it. They really enjoy it, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. That's not a mandatory uh, attendance <laughs> class, and almost everybody shows up every time because now my reputation has preceded me because they know That's I'm going to do some crazy stuff. Right. Make it fun, right? Yeah. With the kind of job you've got, how do you have any time for anything else? Good question, Tom. I, I get asked this a lot. They're like, okay, so you, I did 45 speaking engagements last year. I'm working. I also work at a rural critical access hospital. You know, the, the kids, the family. The best thing about ER is it's shift work. So we go and we do 10 hours with no break, might I add. But then at the end of the 10 hours, you're done. And so I have flexibility in my month. We're scheduled a month at a time. You know, where am I going to place the shifts? And some control over how many shifts I do. So I'm, I'm kind of able to customize my schedule a little bit so I can still do all that and make sure I have plenty of time to do the stuff that's important to me. So shift work. Yeah, well, that, that time management, which yeah. I, I struggle with, which we're going to address because I've got a lot of stuff going on, as everybody does, to try to figure out how that happens. How did the book come about? Did you think you were going to write a book? You started taking notes, all, all the stuff from your classes, formulating and putting together. Did you approach someone about it? Did someone approach you about it? You know, I've been saying I wanted to write a book since college. So I would take extra courses in, you know, nutrition and stuff like that that weren't necessarily required to go to medical school. Yeah. And I had been saying it for so many years. And then, you know, t all the research I did to teach the course that I'm teaching and, and everything else. And I was having a conversation with my grandma. I was like, Grandma, I'm going to write a book someday. And she's like, mm-hmm, yep, you told me that like a decade ago. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I guess I'll get on this now a very loving kick in the butt. And yeah. so I approached a company called Scribe. I know other people who've worked with them. It's self-publishing in a way, but with a lot of assistance and hand-holding. <laughs> Honestly, once I started the process actually of sitting down and writing the book, it was amazingly easy. It all I already knew all the content. 
they helped me get it organized and then yeah. just it all came out and they figured out stuff like how to get an ISBN number and how to put it on Amazon so I didn't have to learn that stuff and it was yeah. so easy so easy no, that's great. I'd rather have a real book, but out of convenience, I bought it on Kindle. You know, oh, yeah. you know, which I can't. When I used before that, I've done a lot of seminars and traveled a lot. So before that, I would have to fill my backpack. I'd fill it with five or six, <laughs> seven books. Yeah. It'd be about thirty pounds on my back. You know, I'd read a little bit at a time. But now that Kindle is out, it makes life easy for that. Right. But that's why I picked it up and 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 went through it. Like I said, read the whole thing. And it's my God, you cover a little bit of everything. And I got it's really well organized. It was easy. I could understand it, which is a big deal, <laughs> which is what you want. The regular guy or girl reading it who can kind of get that message. And it was it was a great it was a great book. So once it was done, how long did it take you to write this thing? So it ended up taking me about a year. I could have done it quicker, but, you know, life and other things got in the way. So and then oh. I, I had a call scheduled with my editor and I had to email him. I was like, hey, I'm having my appendix out in about a half hour. It's That's 1 a.m. Right. <laughs> if we could reschedule our morning call, that would be super helpful because I'll be a little groggy from the anesthesia and possibly not making complete sense. So your uh, appendix just burst one day? or did you, um, it, it didn't fully burst, but it was leaking. So oh. here's the thing. Doctors are terrible patients. So I kept having right. this right-sided pain, and I was at work, at it's a hospital. Ignoring it, yeah. Ignoring it, yes. Then right. I left work went to my grandma's 86th birthday party, <laughs> then, yeah, you know, came yeah. home, put the kids in bed, took a shower, and then went to the hospital to actually get medical care. Yeah, that's so funny. So don't, don't husband, be like me. <laughs> don't feel like you're, is that funny? You're the worst patient. That's funny. So they went yeah. in, did the, was surgery right away or? Yeah, no, the, I thought maybe, okay, whatever, but they'll take me in the morning and the surgeon's like, oh no, we're going now. We're and going I was behind myself because <laughs> I figured it would, you know, be fine, whatever, no big deal. I was like, oh, sh what do I do with all my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess your editor took that as a, a good excuse. Uh, yes, that one counted. <laughs> <laughs> that one counted. That was good. Good. So then we got, then after that, it came out and mm -hmm. it was released, what, January 8th or January something? 8th, yes. Wow, I remember that. See, pretty good memory. I know. That was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top of my head without notes. See, Tom, I am prepared. Tom and I were talking about what a pro. prepared for stuff. What's that? What a pro, so, I said. What a pro. I feel, and read the whole, it was great. So, so one of the things we talk about is, is like, what is your why? What why matters most? That's a good question. Yeah, I, it's amazing how once somebody connects with that, it makes all the difference. Because I ask patients, you know, why do you want to quit smoking? Why do you want to get healthy? And they'll give me some BS answer like, oh, oh yeah, yeah doctor, right. it's because of my lungs and blah, blah, blah. Like, you are not quitting because of that. Nobody ever actually quits for that. No. But you start to, when you have the opportunity to get really personal with people, which I do, getting them connected. So I've had people say things like, I want to lose weight and get healthy because I want to be able to have sex with the lights on without wearing a baggy t-shirt for the first time in my adult life. <laughs> like, I don't uh, want to say that. And I was like, that, see, that's the kind of thing that's going to keep you going. That's funny because that, Tom has told, said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an obvious joke, I but yeah. I can't help you, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Even yesterday, I was chatting with somebody about this, and he said it was his Santa Claus moment. He showed that's up so at the party with his friend, and his friend's like, hey, you're sure looking a lot like Santa Claus these days. Ooh. He's like, yeah. okay, time to start exercising. Yeah, right. You cover a whole lot more than just exercise, right? 
Oh, absolutely. You, you really, once you get the principles and the why, you can apply what you're doing to any habit. So talking about, you know, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's getting more sleep, whether it's stress relief or exercise, it, it works for any of the habits. And then you just start accumulating health protective behaviors one at a time. Can I tell you a funny story? And it's in relation to like the biggest problem that I have, right? Yeah. So oh, it's going to be a long show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at an old job and I was always late and Uh-oh. I was kind of enjoying it. And my friends used to make little jokes about etc, etc. One day, my friend Brett is a South African guy. He goes, there's this report going around and your name's on it. And it's about the amount of hours spent in the office and the times people go into the office and exit the office, right? Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, oh. shit, I'm going to get in trouble yeah, here. <laughs> so I'm then messaging him, trying to get him to edit this report, yeah, to even, even drop my name off it, to uh-huh. tweak the numbers up. Were you at some point contemplating on breaking into the office to edit the report yourself? <laughs> and then he's That's so funny. He's then copying in all of my friends <laughs> with my responses, <laughs> and they they really got me. So anyway, as a guy who's lifelong struggled to get up, I just feel exhausted every morning. Right. I do go to bed late very regularly. Yeah, you do. I know that is part of the problem. And I'm sure there's diet elements, but it's not for want of wanting to change that. And I'm trying to do exercise classes in the morning at the moment. And then I'm missing one or two of them every week. So there's a whole load of background. How do I change that? <laughs> Good right. luck. Fix me. <laughs> yeah, fix you. All right, cool. How, how many hours we got? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> that's not enough. So, okay, so two things. Addressing the sleep specifically. If you're waking up exhausted, you're not getting good quality sleep, and you've already identified that you're going to bed too late, what are you doing right before bedtime? Are you are you on your phone? Are you watching TV? Are you doing some type of electronics? My typical evening, I'll do some sort of like exercise-related thing. Okay. Then I'll have a late dinner. Like I might eat at sort of like, say, 10 p.m.-ish. Okay. And then I'll watch Netflix slash do admin sort right. of thing. <laughs> Right. Might be like edit a show, might might read a little bit of a book, I don't know. Maybe green eggs and ham. And then I will fall asleep whenever I'm ready to fall asleep. So I never force myself to go to sleep. Okay. Because it seems that seems like a waste of time. <laughs> Another thing to throw into it, I've got a really high metabolism. So any food that's in my system, I think that's part of the reason when I wake up I've got no energy. So right. I feel very drained. And my brother's exactly the same. And apparently it runs throughout my family. All right. So you're, you're doing a f- few things here that I would like to edit. Jamie, I've got one, one other thing to throw into this. quite interesting. So my brother read a book on sleep because he's got the same problem. He's worse oh. than I am. And okay. what it said in this book is they said about 33% people are early birds. Mm-hmm. A third are normal. Yes. A third are at night owls. And what they said is this pattern is reflected around the world. And what it mm-hmm. is, is when you had like a tribal system back in the day, you would have needed a certain amount of people to stay up late and guard camp and a certain amount of people to get up early and do whatever you do when you get up early. I don't know. I've never yeah. been up early. <laughs> but the world has changed to reward the early birds and the people to get up at a normal time for the most part. I found that pretty fascinating, really. This is genetically ingrained in people that there must be a distribution of night owls. I'd be a good night watchman. Yes. 
I was like that even as a toddler or a kid, my brother would wake me up on Christmas morning, like, hey, let's go get our presents. I'm like, okay, they'll still be there in an hour, weirdo. Stop You're bothering so, really, me. Really, that is funny. <laughs> like, seriously, what kid doesn't want to get up on Christmas? I was, right. t- I was so tired. So if you understand, like, if you know that that's your genetics and that's your thing, you can work with that. But the question is, do you have to be up early for work? It would help. I mean, my, the key thing for me at the <laughs> moment. Help. Ah, you're so funny. Dude, you need to get a job in the afternoon. Get time your lost cause. I know, right? Exactly. What I would like to do is work out every morning because I can't go at lunch. And then if I have to stay late at work, then it's like I might miss that whole routine. And that's really important for my day. Of course. I, I set a lot of alarms. I snooze a lot of alarms. <laughs> And my favorite thing about the snooze button is if for people who hate getting up in the morning, they hit the snooze button. So you're doing something you hate five times instead of just once. Right. Very true. Like, but why? Right, right. Why do we do that to ourselves? Jamie, when you're getting them to figure out what their why is a huge, huge problem because most yeah. people have no clue other than that top line feeling. You have to really help them drill down. People come into the gym here, you know, gym here in Jersey, and they go, hey, I want to lose weight. I want to get fit. I want to learn how to fight, you know, and and digging down to what what makes them dedicated to do it. That is a big challenge. And if you don't know your why, don't you think that you're kind of toward failing what you're you're setting out to do, don't you think? Absolutely. If we just rely on fickle motivation, then we end up hitting the snooze button. You know, you two right, days into right. it, you're like, screw this, I would rather sleep. Right. You know, Mel Robbins, she, in her book, The Five Second Rule, she talks yes. about motivation doesn't exist. It's it's yeah. alone for the most part, because despite being motivated or not, you got to get up and you got to do what needs to be done. Yes. And so that's important. So, so for you, Tom, figuring out your, and if it's something super personal, I mean, by all means, share it with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to join the Army Reserves, and it's a dream and a passion thing. And in order to do so, in the UK, they place quite a big emphasis on things like running. Ah, uh, okay. I need to get up early and be very fit to do that. So that that okay. is my why. Also, I'd have a less stressful life. It's like things like when you do arrive slightly late for work, you're adding stress to your life. When you arrive slightly late at the airport every time, I've never missed a flight, but you know, I'm always running for something. Yeah, when you're sweating it, you're like, yeah, it's stressful. It's, so, so a couple. Well, first of all, in the army, they you know they get up very early, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hate that side of it. Yeah. Just FYI, so a couple of things that you can do, very simple habits. So, getting connected with the why. So, you're setting alarms to get up in the morning. Have you ever set an alarm to go to bed, like to turn off the Netflix? Oh, good question. Oh, that is a good question. Turn off the stuff and set an alarm. Yeah, I have this thing that comes on on the phone now at 11 o'clock saying time to go to bed. Okay, good. Now, what time do you have I've to be up I've never listened though? to it, though. You've never listened to it, though. Okay, you're the... <laughs> he's never listened. He's always shut it off, right? He's, he's like, hmm, this is easy to ignore. Okay, so you need to give yourself a... Because you're always waking up exhausted. So you've got a sleep deficit. And a sleep deficit can actually decrease your IQ points. <laughs> so yeah, that's you're, not, you're not functioning at optimal level. Right. So you need to get yourself a minimum of eight hours of what I call sleep opportunity. Minimum. Especially for somebody with a chronic sleep debt like you have. So you need to be in a cool, dark, quiet room with no electronics, with the lights off, laying in bed eight hours at least before you have to be up, however early you have to get up. Wow, I failed that miserably. Most people do. And we're walking around, kind of, like people talk about the zombie apocalypse. I'm like, it's already here, people. Nobody's sleeping. It is, it is. <laughs> So you have to turn off the electronics 
they say an hour before bed because the blue light is stimulating your retinas and telling your brain not to make any melatonin whatsoever because you're tricking your brain into thinking it's daytime. That's one of the most difficult things to do. You got to turn off the Netflix. You're eating too late, so you're stimulating your body. You've got all this stimulating light. And what you need to help create is a bedtime ritual, something that helps trigger your body every night. Okay, this is my wind down time. It doesn't have to be this complex two hour thing. You know, mine is fairly simple. Some nights I get home from a shift and we're pretty amped up while we're there, right? Sure. I mean, as you can imagine, you know, people are trying to die all the time and you're, you're doing stuff. It's a bright environment. And you come home at two in the morning and I need to get to sleep. I need to relax and dial down. So having things like a familiar comforting scent that you do at night is a good way to trigger your body. I have a white noise machine that I use to kind of block out other sounds. And every time I hear it, my body's like, okay, it's time to sleep. That's Take a great. hot shower because that yeah. temperature change to making yourself then feel cold helps trigger your body to start producing the melatonin and get into the sleep mode and lay there with eight hours of sleep opportunity in a cool, dark, quiet environment. It really does work. And then the thing is you mentioned, Tom, you don't want to force yourself to sleep, which is good because you can't unless you're going right, like, to get right. some chloroform and <laughs> cover your <laughs> face like a kidnapper. Right. Please don't do that. You, you really, you can't force yourself to sleep. You give yourself the opportunity get your brain to wind down. But if you're having a hard time shutting off your thoughts, I invite you to daydream. So don't be thinking about work and all the stuff you have to do that's too stressful. I kind of created this superhero world. And it's interesting enough that it's blocking out my other thoughts of all the crap I have to do the next day and all the, right. you know, all the things right. and start just imagining like playing a movie in my head and I get to do whatever I want. It drowns out all the other stressful thoughts. It's kind of fun. And now it just helps trigger me to sleep. And actually once or twice, I've even dreamt about it, which, which was that's super funny. fun. You, so you just lay there and that's my only opportunity to just relax and daydream. So it really does work. So that would be an obstacle for Tom, right? You, yes. have, five, you have five obstacles in their book. You want to walk us through that real quick? Or? Oh, yeah. So people talk about, you know, why are they not getting healthy? And you, we, hear, yeah. we all hear the same complaints over and over. It's I don't have time. I don't have right. money. I don't know what resources to, to look at, who's, the, who's a credible source, who's not a credible source. It's not me, you know, that kind <laughs> of stuff. So like I've had patients say, well, I'm not a pill taker. I'm like, well, that's funny because you're on 10. Like, yeah. <laughs> why, why, do, why do we have this self-identity thing? Yeah. So what you're doing, and I'm guessing, Tom, is how do you think of yourself as a sleeper? Do you think of yourself as a bad sleeper? No, I think of myself as a very good sleeper. Okay. Good. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it. And I'll tell, and I'll tell you why. Because my, my friends are like, you can fall asleep anywhere. Oh, that's. I've done it around the world, falling asleep on the floor, <laughs> in, in the front seat of a car. Like, uh, you know, if, I'll, I'll, if I'm a passenger in a car seat. and there's not a lot going on, I'll just fall asleep. They'll be talking to you. Yeah. If there's a lot of thoughts in my head just before I go to bed, I know that's uh -huh. going to drive me around the bend. So I, I, what I'll do is I'll stick something like the Punisher on and like switch the brain cells off a little bit. Give the brain a rest. You can't put on movies or electronics because the light is too stimulating and it's distracting. And even if you fall asleep with the television on, even though you can't see it because your eyes are closed, through your eyelids, you're, it'll still perceive some light in the flickering and change will keep you from getting to a state of deep sleep. Think of those old hunter-gatherers. If you're sleeping in a safe environment, they could actually fall and get to deep sleep. But if you're sleeping somewhere where a saber-toothed tiger is going to eat you at any minute, even if you do fall asleep, you're not going to get deep because you, so you're actually preventing yourself from getting sleep. And the fact that you're falling asleep everywhere like that, I'm not sure if that means you're a good sleeper. No electronics, cool, dark, quiet, 
you know, start a ritual, do something like a hot bath or shower and, and then get cool after that and, and, and see it. I have a feeling that you are going to feel more energy when you're waking up drained, it's not that your stomach is empty. Our stom- our body's designed to not eat while we sleep. It's that you're getting crappy sleep. Wow, that's right. I agree. That's right. Just try it. Just try it, Tom. Worst <laughs> case scenario, you get a little extra sleep. You know, anything in our lives can be an obstacle. We can create yeah. these obstacles. They can be real obstacles beyond our control. But there are things, probably more often than not, we just create that issue, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, something like you get appendicitis or, a you know, car crashes into your house, those kind of things sure, you can't sure. control. But some of them, the obstacle, like, I don't have time. And, you know, Tom, you're trying to create time in the morning to exercise because, you know, you don't have other time in your day. And some days we're legitimately busy. When I'm doing my 10-hour shift, I don't have any time at work to do anything else other than patient care. But some of it is our choosing. You know, the Apple overlords are telling us on our phone now how much we're using it. And we're like, huh, I didn't have any 30 minutes to exercise, but I somehow had managed to be on my phone for six hours this entire week. Right. One of the things I've been working on while you're talking about that time management, really working on time management. I get yeah. here around four o'clock in the morning and leave around nine o'clock at night. And I'm really mindful of every minute. <laughs> and I'm even every 15 minutes, this 15 minutes, I did this, this 15 minutes, I did that. Cause you can find yourself, let's say going on Facebook or, or Instagram, whatever it is, watching yes. a YouTube video. And all of a sudden shit, I lost 30 minutes of my life. I am never going to get back for watching, you know, uh, prank videos or something like that. Like, what what did I do? But now that I'm really watching it, I've become much more selective in how I spend my time. I'm still overwhelmed. Yeah, but at, least, at least I know that, you know, so okay, now it's not, the first step. Right. Awareness is <laughs> to know that we have to do that. But then you, talk, well, I guess that's the next part of that. Of part one was, you know, work smarter, not harder. Yes. And there's no doubt I'm a hard worker, I'm not always the smartest, but <laughs> I set specific goals, have an action plan and, you know, yeah. all this stuff, which we just, I don't know if you want to touch on that slightly. I don't want to give the whole book away. I want them to come <laughs> buy, to buy the book, but. Yeah. Well, no, it's so, I mean, the SMART acronym has been used in business for years. I, t- I turned it into SMARTER. The same thing that people can use for achieving goals and specific projects at work, we can use that, apply the same stuff to our health, but sense specific motivation, action plan, roadblocks, timetable, evolve, and uh, record and reward. So just very briefly, so start with getting specific. And sometimes, you know, I tell people your overall big goal is to be a healthy person. So everything is focused on that. If people want to lose weight, you can lose weight eating nothing but like bacon and beer. Sure. And just eat less of it and, and lose weight, but that's completely unhealthy. So I say, first of all, like, if you're going to do this, please at least focus on being healthy. And then things like the weight will follow. And then they say, okay, I want a specific goal. Well, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, that's a specific number, but I'm asking you to create an action item. The action item is not lose 20 pounds. That's the result. Right. What do you want to do to lose 20 pounds? Okay, let's go. Do you want to focus first on? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Not a thing. I just want to lose it. That's right. Um, Is there a pill? Yes, that'd be so much easier. That way I can just watch Netflix, eat bacon, <laughs> and take a pill and be skinny and have a great that's butt. Right. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. <laughs> right. All right, so that's get, so funny. Super specific. I'm going to exercise three times a week for a minimum of 30 minutes. Boom, like that, get that specific. And then the M for the motivation, that's connecting with your why, because otherwise you're going to hit the snooze button and not do it after the second day, because it I, sucks, because it's early. 
like the action plan is kind of the who, what, when, where, why type of thing. You're going to go to the gym at this time. You're going to use this equipment. You, you're very specific on and deliberate exactly what you're going to do, where, when, how. And then you're going to schedule it in your calendar as if it were an appointment that you need to keep. And the next is roadblocks. So for me, one of my, I'm a night owl as well. So one of my roadblocks is, especially if I'm working a late shift, getting up early in the morning, I know that's not going to happen. I know that I'm not going to get up and work out effectively at five in the morning when I've gone to bed at three from work. So I don't even schedule it at that time. But anticipate roadblocks. Okay, if you're planning on running outside, what are you going to do if it rains or snows? I mean, at least here it snows. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not there, but what are you going to do if you injure yourself? What are you going to do if you're, you know, if your car breaks down or somebody is sick that week? What are your, so I get people in the habit of listing all the possible things that can go wrong. You know, oh, car breakdown, you could get sick. You could get bit by a dinosaur. You never know. And then I train people to, once you have an idea of what all the potential roadblocks are, then look at the list of roadblocks and create a contingency plan for each one. If it rains, I'll go here. If the car breaks down, I can do this. If I get sick, I'm going to let my body rest and take a week off of exercise so I can heal. If I get bit by a dinosaur, I'll probably become famous <laughs> and I'll be or you would money be. to hire a trainer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Then you have, you know, the four pillars of health, the eat, sleep, burn, release. Yep. I like the release part. That's probably where I would have the most difficulty is learning how to release whatever. You know, sitting down, calming down because I'm always yeah. on the go. I have one shift, right, Tom? <laughs> I just go. I don't even have to set an alarm. I set the alarm just in case, but I never use, I'm always up before the alarm. I get oh, up, wow. I'm up, I can get up and do push up. I don't know, and it's a, it sounds great. It's like my superpower, but it can be trouble because I hit it and I come here and I go all day. I need to learn to calm down <laughs> and do something. It's not even meditating, oof. Uh, you know what, it med I honestly, I completely agree with you. Meditating can be hard. We'll, we'll chat about that. But this, this <laughs> stress thing, like everybody's always so focused on diet and exercise for their health and weight. And they're completely missing the fact that they're getting crap sleep and, right. and not taking care of their stress. So your body's constantly in a fight or flight mode when you're doing that. And it's hard to let go. Now, I tried meditation. But as you guys can tell by my crazy schedule, I don't enjoy sitting still very much. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and I, so I was talking to this very wonderful meditation instructor. She's like, okay, you'll just go ahead and just turn your mind off. And I'm like, uh, are you kidding me? Yeah, There's that's not gonna no happen. way. In the three seconds that I tried it, I had 50 different thoughts about how I'm not supposed to be having thoughts. And oh, wait, that's a thought too. <laughs> that didn't work for me at all. So I get my stress relief in other ways. Meditation is great. There's data to prove that it actually helps you. I'm working sure. toward it. The sitting still and clearing my mind, that may never happen. But for me, being outside and going for a walk or a run is kind of meditative. You know, turn everything off, not listening to stuff, not on the phone, but really just being in the moment. Right. And, but you have to find different forms of stress relief. For me, exercise is a form of stress relief. So I'm kind of getting double duty out of it. I can tell. Because for me, I'm, I live in a gym. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here like, 18 hours a day. I'm punching, which punching people can relieve stress, I, I must tell you. But really, the, the, some of the best stress is I, I go out and I, I, I got a, a friend of mine. I we go walk in the woods for like an hour or two on the weekend. That's great because I'm away from everything just, yes. you know, in the woods, you know, with the dog and whatever. And that makes me feel better, you know, than you're actually exercising because I'm, I'm exercising hours a day. And so uh, everybody has to find their own. Like for me, 
even when people are like, oh, go on a vacation and just lay in a beach chair for a week, that actually doesn't sound fun to no, me at all. Sound, not at but all. I, want, I would go, you know, go snorkel, go swimming, go hiking. That to me is relaxing. You don't, we have this crazy image that you have to be perfectly still in order to relax. And that's actually stressful for some people. So it's finding some way that helps, that you've connected with that helps you release that tension, even if it's an active thing. And it's it's something that's fun and we need to focus on doing it more often because we're just walking around pent up, like everything's tight, shoulders up to our ears and not just letting that stress out of us. What's the difference between a habit and a ritual? Not a ton, actually. So it's something that you're doing on a regular basis that is... So I would say they're pretty similar. And I actually include rituals in my day, you know, for sleep time, for, you know, bedtime for the kids and stuff like that. So they get into those patterns and habits. So now, a ritual's got a bit of a ring to it. That's all. It do, you know, it really does. And I mean, unless people then are like, OK, what kind of weird ritual are you doing? Like, are you drawing stuff on the floor and sacrificing a chicken? I, or I, are you getting yourself ready for bed? So, guys, the book is Habitat. By Jamie Hope. You can get that book on Amazon, on Kindle. If you want to find out more about Jamie, you can find her on drhopehealth.com, correct? That's yes. the personal website. Got a video on YouTube. We're doing a speaking engagement. She has tons of speaking engagements, but <laughs> but they're all like covert secrets. <laughs> they, yeah. they're, they can't be released because it's just like in-house oh, yeah, they're, business. They're proprietary because everyone says, oh, I want to see you speaking. But, the, you know, the, the conference, they, you know, one conference I spoke at, they charged people 10,000 bucks a seat to sit there. Wow. Which was amazing. Um, but they're not going to just release the video on YouTube. You have to pay, you have to pay right. to be there. So, I, you got to pay for so it. You got to sneak your own camera in. Yeah, right. Bootleg. Bootleg. <laughs> now, there's also a Facebook group called, what, Habit That? Yep, the Habit That Tribe. Yeah, and the Habit That Tribe, which yep. I guess helps us develop good habits. It is, yeah. and it's, it's a place for people, because nobody needs to be perfect. None of us are trying to be Olympic athletes or something like that. So it's a place where we can go support each other, share ideas, and say, somebody just posted, like, I totally, uh, this whole week sucked. I accomplished essentially nothing. Ah, 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 and like, like, that's all right. You know, here, jump back in. It's totally fine. Forgive yourself. You don't need to be so hard on yourself. It's, it's just a very supportive and loving place where people can get good ideas and share good ideas. So that, That's great. It's great looking. Have you had any um, habits that you were unable to change or there's something like that you've really found? What was like the toughest thing that you... In myself or in other people? In yourself. <laughs> oh. Ooh. And I want to hear a few from Jim too. <laughs> oh, dude. How much time we got? I know, right? No, I so I, I was the worst junk food eater growing up and so eating vegetables was torture i think if i ate three servings of vegetables in my childhood i'd be shocked (laughs) (laughs) and so now it took a long time for me to to start creating it as a habit and eating the vegetables from going you know a few times in my whole childhood to now five servings a day hard and now i do it and i don't once something becomes a habit i don't even have to think about it it's just part of my meals but i'm telling you after all these years i still hate green beans and i think they're disgusting that's i cannot make myself like that (laughs) I tried, whatever. I gave tried. up. I'll, it was, I'll a, leave good, it was a good effort, right? But anyway, hey, thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time. And I know you you got to, as I used to say on the Johnny Carson show, you, you got to catch a plane to go, yeah. right? That was always the, the excuse that the guests used. But it was great. That's I really funny. do it. I literally I, do. My flight's at 3.30. I know I'm you do. Go out, guys. We'll put a link on the webpage and stuff to, for Amazon for uh, Dr. Jamie Hope's website and stuff so reach out guys great show jamie thank you so much good all right peace out
You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.